Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. He is the CEO of Fully Accountable, uh, and he also has several books out. One is called The CEO's Mindset, and the other one's called False Profits. Welcome to the show, Vinny. Jordan, thanks for having me. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. You know, I'm a, a husband of almost 25 years. I've got four kids. I uh, started the professional part of my career as a corporate and tax attorney, uh, working kind of in a big firm, broke out, grew up my own big one, and then moved into the digital world with one of my early on clients and uh, then wound down my law practice and went on this journey of having three uh, consecutive eight-figure growth businesses where I was in web hosting, health supplements, uh, dealing with online publishing. And so during that time, I had uh, over a couple thousand employees and uh, amassed some pretty good revenue numbers along the way. And then from there, saw a gigantic hole in the where the finance finance department and the accounting departments, where small businesses don't have a finance department because they just can't afford them. And so we started Fully Accountable, where we create finance departments for small businesses. So what actually do you do for small businesses, and what size small businesses do you help? You know... If you're a product business and you're not doing a, a, at least are in the range of at least doing a million in revenue and more, then you're just too early stage for us. But what we really do for either service or product businesses is we, you, we provide you the data analyst along with the tools that does all the projections, benchmarking, trending, competitive analysis, and understanding how you spend your money so you're not where it's really being spent. So that you're not just growing gross revenue, you're actually working on a profit margin and successfully taking you through the series of growth of each level of your business. So we bring finance to the small business because all small businesses think that once they get an accountant or a bookkeeper, they've got that solved. And then they come to find out that that doesn't even, that's all historical stuff. It doesn't really address the true issue they have. So what happens to a small business that does not have a finance department that you provides. So statistically, I love your show, by the way. I love listening to it. So thanks for having me on it. But I love how you you support your theories with documentation, websites, resources people can look at. And so in my book, False Profits, I talk about this exact issue where 82% of companies have a cash flow problem. And of all of the companies, 96% of businesses don't make it to their 10th year. And almost 50% of that problem is lack of cash flow. They run out of money. And the reason that early stage, mid stage, and when you start leveling up businesses, they, they just spend so much of it guessing on how to acquire a customer that they literally are flushing money down the toilet while trying to figure out their their kind of their brand, their niche, who they sell to. And then the, the runway isn't long enough. They just run out of cash. So is it getting better financing? Is it more profitability early on? Is it, what is, if they've got an idea that allows the business to succeed for at least a few years, why can't they make it grow? Because everybody wants to be available to everybody. And so I'll start with a premise. When a business can figure out how to niche down, 
it has the ability and privilege to scale up. So what I mean by that is as a business is growing up, the earlier stage of get, you know, do you know that you know this, that only 5% of all businesses have more than seven figures in revenue. It's a very rare place to be above seven figures. And everyone desires to get there as that's the first place you get. But the, what, what is always struggling with fellow entrepreneurs like me is we want to be available to a bigger audience. And what happens is the businesses that really can tighten up their message and know exactly the consumer they're talking to, the, that right in the middle niche person are the businesses that actually start developing growth and margin to be able to successfully grow. And so early on, it's your Rolodex, it's your kind of, you know, points of contact. If you can't make a business work with your like your first immediate network, then you got to question the value of that business. But then the next part is where you're going to spend money to acquire customers. It's in this phase where it is so critical to know exactly who you're talking to because that requires your sales offer to be in line and the way your copy is written, all your videos, everything that's so expensive to make. If you try to talk to everybody, it's diluted and the value is gone. And so businesses, Jordan, that can actually niche down and know exactly who they're staring into the open quote, close quote camera and who they're talking to are the ones that truly succeed. You're saying it's better to concentrate on a fewer customers that are more profitable and going to give you more business than chasing smaller customers or extraneous ones of people that aren't going to ever sign up with you. Exactly. So, but that's a big error for a lot of entrepreneurs. They want everybody is what you're saying. Yeah, that's actually, I think it's, it's, it, I painfully write about this in the CEO's mindset, one of our books. And I, I, I was that I am and was that guy. I've always wanting to have the moonshot go for everybody. In the early stages of any business that's growing, you have to really put your energy and focus into knowing who truly is your ideal customer and not try to service everybody. But it is such major friction for uh, the entrepreneurial mindset. It's 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 actually turns out to be uh, a self-inflicting wound most of the times. So take a look at the general environment in America today. Some would say this is a great time to start a business in that interest rates are pretty low, tax laws have been made more uh, advantageous, the internet allows you to scale quickly, and some would say it's a terrible time to start a business because there's a concentration of wealth, the big keep getting bigger, and it's hard to battle against them. Where do you come out on that? I probably come out on the former. The idea of the small business, uh, if, if if he or she can really believe in the fact that you have to dial in on a very simple message, try not to serve everybody, keep your product line very slim and simple. The big businesses are looking for these small businesses that can move faster, that are nimble. So today is a great time. You know, the internet has offered, you know, my first two companies, the internet wasn't advanced long enough to where I could spend a micro amount of money to test making sure I'm talking to the right person. Well, today that's greater than ever. And so I find that category, I think competition has always existed. And I think that small businesses, here's one of the classic things, Jordan, right here in this conversation, how ironic when we're talking about big business and competition, that everyone wants to be big and huge before they actually are stable and growing. And so I think if they can really dial down, be very 
uh, vigilant with how they spend their money in the acquisition of consumers, bigger businesses will buy you and take you into their part because they don't want to put the effort into creating something. So how can people use the internet today to target to get the right businesses and the right consumers for their, what they're offering? Yeah, so like let's just let's just pick on either LinkedIn or Facebook, depending on how you know if you're going consumer-based emotional buying habits, Facebook is a great place. If you have a B2B service base or we're a little more logic, network-driven type stuff, then maybe LinkedIn's better. But in either scenario, you can uh, you know, in the early stages, be very organic on your feed and you can test pain points to specific audiences for very cheap. Like you can spend a dollar a day on Facebook and find out a ton about what people are clicking on. This is the time of era where you can literally test sales copy for so cheap and find out a lot of information. The problem is if you're if everyone's being honest and I'm I'm willing to be very transparent I've always had this gap problem as an entrepreneur. I quickly want to run to scale before I've really dialed in to what people are truly uh, responding to. So once you find out what they're responding to, you kind of keep testing till you hone the message, and that's when you can scale is what you're saying. But people do the scaling too soon is what, what you're saying? Well, we desire it, so we do all kinds of things that run towards scale, and we haven't even dealt with the real issues. And so then people, you know, I say a lot to not only our community of trusted advisors, but to clients. What if I gave you five more clients right now? What would happen? And most of the time, they start to freak out because they're like, well, that's too fast all at once. Everyone wants it. They want to put all this automation in place, but then they actually have no infrastructure or ability to really grow that quickly. So you talk a lot about the CEO's mindset. So somebody that starts a business is probably into the content of the business, whatever that may be, and not kind of managing the business, either the finances of it or the structure of it or hiring. They're probably into whatever the thing is about. How do you kind of become, transform yourself from somebody who's into the content of the business to a CEO running the business. You know, I I'll just gonna throw I'll put a tell out there. It's in it's in the book. I believe in two things. I believe in team and marketing, and then the other four functions of a business are the things that are necessary but are not the drivers. You know, without great people, you're always gonna have a shadow problem. You're gonna have a good job, but you're not gonna grow beyond yourselves. And if you can't dial in your message to the to the community that's supposed to buy your stuff, then you're gonna die maybe a slow but quick death of running out of money. And so if that's true, those two things are first and forward thinking, then the, ultimately the the process of a, of a growing up business owner is to start aspiring towards being you know, the CEO. And what a CEO does is really has multiple parts to a business and they're training and developing other people on the team to take on necessary spots within the organization. So ultimately, if you do your growing up and maturing correctly, you really are a the chief evangelist of other people growing your business. But you're saying it's often hard for the entrepreneur who came up with the original idea to let go and let other people do things that they might have done in the early stages. You know, it's self-awareness of a control freak is extremely hard. And I broke our first business not being aware of that. Explain how that worked. 
Yeah, so I, you know, I had a business that was doing uh, almost 50 million in revenue and we were having a great run and I was a very hands-on CEO by title, but I was uh, in char- I literally was puppeteering parts of our business by getting in there and micromanaging people. And so in my arrogance, I handed the ball to our our direct our vice president of sales and we wanted to grow me up to chairman and I thought I was this big shot and then he came in and there was no their system to run of people and the whole thing crashed down. And by the time I took back the reins of the company, we had basically been in a nosedive to death. And you didn't know it. I didn't know it because we didn't have any real financial transparency. We just kind of practiced. There's more money in the bank account this month than there was last month. So had you had the systems in place that you now offer to other small businesses, that wouldn't have happened is what you're saying. Uh, I would hope to believe that. I think that's true, first off. Secondly, I would have been aware of the other growth issues that would I would have focused my attention on. So what a CEO's job really ultimately to do. So one of the issues I'd have, and maybe this will speak to a lot of our listeners, is I, I would make and create problems in our business because of growth. And I'd have this, I'd, I'd be, they'd be high friction for me. So instead of fixing those problems, I would go off and start new things. And so somewhere along the way, with some mentorship and friendship and some self-awareness, I started looking at those problems in our business as new initiatives. And really, ultimately, a CEO, is that's your job, is you kind of jump on the, the current grenade and then backfill with people and system who can, can then allow you to go do that in the next friction point of the business. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. He's the CEO of Fully Accountable, which helps small businesses uh, do their financial uh, transactions. Uh, website to find out more is fullyaccountable.com. He's also the author of two books, one called False Profits, the other one called The CEO's Mindset. You can see more about those at vinnyfisher.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, Visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
Has your small business been turned down for a loan by the bank? Is lack of capital hindering your business growth? Small businesses unable to obtain bank financing or tired of merchant cash advances can now get the financing they need. Corporate Lending Solutions provides short and long-term capital, revolving lines of credit, and unsecured business loans. Does your business need help with payables, supplies, or payroll? Corporate Lending Solutions has powerful programs to help. While getting a small business loan can be a long, daunting process, with Corporate Lending Solutions, it's simple and takes only one to three days. Call 800-261-6478 or visit CorporateLendingSolutions.com to learn more. 800-261-6478. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes Quality Solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. Uh, he is the CEO of Fully Accountable, uh, which is a company that helps small businesses uh, do their financial uh, management. Uh, his website is fullyaccountable.com. He's also done two books, one called The CEO's Mindset, the other one called False Profits. You can find out more at his website, vinnyfisher.com. Welcome back to the show, Vinny. Hey, thanks, Jordan. So one area we work in is financial advisors, helping people become trusted financial advisors, and also helping people find good financial advisors. So what advice do you have on somebody who wants to become a financial advisor about how to do it well? And then what kind of advice do you have somebody who wants to find a good financial advisor? So, you know, my original mission when we founded and launched Fully Accountable was to help to double the profit margin of 10,000 companies. Well, real quickly, I learned that that was a big mission. I'm real excited about it, but I needed to employ the expertise of more accounting professionals to do it. And then as we started building our own organization, I, I, I identified this almost problem that I would call anemia. There was a value problem. Almost every good financial expert, it's almost like a it's almost the stereotype is almost an axiom. It's so true that over and over I would run into this value proposition where a good financial expert believes that they're more like a report creator or derogatorily a bean counter than they were someone to be sought at as who can give advice through the lens of, of a business. You know, the language in business that everyone's taught is finance. But the language of the entrepreneur is revenue and clients and growth. Well, those don't speak the same. And unfortunately, what's happened in the world of accounting is it's all become commoditized. So even the thought process behind it has become commoditized. So what we do, we built, we decided to get off the, the sidelines complaining about it. And we built an entire program here at Fully Accountable called Trusted Advisor, where we are trying to help and successfully help accounting professionals adopt and take on what they really are, which is the treasured financial expert of the business so that they truly can offer this 
forward thinking advice that belongs in the business and not just get stuck in the bean counting and record report creation. So that's the first and biggest part of it is believing that you hold such a treasured spot. And ultimately, if you believe that, well, then you're going to be one of the business owners, trusted advisors, along with a very good uh, lawyer and a very good, you know, maybe money manager on the financial side of your personal wealth. Those three players play a big piece. And so that accounting professional is where we are um, continuing to equip and build so that they can assume their rightful role. This person knows everything because they know the money in the bank account. So you're saying that the, the big problem is a lot of accountants are looking backwards and just kind of keeping score is what happened, but they're not really advising businesses on ways to make things better in the future. Is that right? And how do they make that transition if they're kind of trained to, as you kind of say, be record keepers instead of advisors going forward? Well, they need to be in environments where they help them see that, right? You know, it's, you know, I believe in a multitude of counselors, but if you continually believe and you make agreements with yourself that you're nothing more than, you know, a report creator, your values derived from creating the product for the client, then you're going to be stuck there. And so, you know, there was a Harvard study done, a big one. I forget the thousands involved, but a question was asked. Of the same question was one asked of business owners. It was also asked of accounting professionals. What's the reason you get fired? Well, 68% of accountants who answered that said because they're too expensive. Well, interestingly, when clients ask the same question, why do you fire the accountant? 72%, 76, I believe, percent of that Harvard study said they fired because their accountant is not proactive and forward thinking. So when you are focused in historical information and you stay there, well, what I like to say to our budding trusted advisors is why are you handing me a report that's 45 days old that just told me I bled to death 45 days ago? Yeah. And so, so yeah. yeah. They, they wouldn't be so expensive if they're looking for, if they're providing more value, then people wouldn't think they're too expensive, I guess. Well, the client doesn't think they're expensive. That the, That's the accountant who put that in their head, which is why they go down to lower thinking. And it's the accountant who's self-prophesizing that. It's not the client. The study, and our business proves the exact opposite of that. So we, we really know that you have to do the historical stuff. You know, you got to close the books. You got to do those things. But at the expense of getting right on the lines of acquisition of the customer, forward data, if you're putting all your energy into closing the old stuff and not doing your best to look forward, then then eventually artificial intelligence and things like that are going to catch up and the death of the bookkeeper is real. So how is artificial intelligence allowing people or, or computers, I guess, to project what you should be doing going forward as opposed to just keeping track of what happened? That's the beautiful part. They're really not. There's tools. You know, we built one that give you the right stuff. But, you know, the tools are just another dashboard. If you don't have someone reading and analyzing and offering suggestions, that we're not there. and We're probably not going to be there for a very long time, if at all. So that's why we say the most coveted position as a financial expert, as an accounting professional, is to be that trusted advisor who actually is in the data, offering advice, suggestions, how to speak the language of business and bring it into operations. Help them decide when to hire. Help them make decisions on how long cash flow runs. How much do you have to acquire a customer? What is the lifetime value? Be forward thinking for the client and they'll never leave you. So this, in many cases, entrepreneurs 
have their personal finances and their business finances all kind of bound up together. They're, it's yes, hard they to do. distinguish the two. So as a, as a financial advisor, can they help them separate those two or give them personal financial advice as well as advice for their business? Yeah, so our, where, where, where we live at Fully Accountable is on the business side. And so we're always equipping accounting professionals who work for the business. And there's a whole subset of financial advisors out there who work on the personal side and they can work together, but those are separate disciplines. And I would recommend like trying not to live out of the same checkbook and commingling them because the business really does need to stand on its own and grow so much so that most businesses, you know, I say this in our book, False Profits, one of the critical things a small business needs to do is the critical operator needs to pay themselves first because you're not really looking at an accurate picture of that business if you get paid last. But that often is not the case. Often people go without paying themselves salaries for a long time to keep the business going. Exactly. And they, they, they cause other expense waste and try to be something you know, they try to be a season three or four of the business when they really need to excel at being a season one into season two of the business. Now, there are different structures for businesses. A sole proprietorship, as you said, kind of running it out of your personal checkbook. Yep. There's LLCs, there's limited partnerships, uh, there's subchapter S corporations. What are some of the pros and cons of different structures for your business? You know, at the end of the day, there's two things going on and people are misinformed about this. You know, you have this idea of creditor protection where you're trying to have a distant relationship with people you take risk and do business with. And then there's this idea of taxation and how the money flows through the business. Those are really independent issues. But the entities that are flow through treatment for the small business, you know, the new Trump tax code has really made the flow through entity a very significant um, uh, option. What that is, is the S Corp and the LLC, right? Those two businesses are what most small businesses should be looking at. It flows through to you personally. So you get a reporting statement that allows you to report it on your personal 1040, but it also offers you the protection to have an arm's length relationship with with the creditor and have some shielding between you and your family and the business transaction. What are the specific new tax benefits in the tax law that are make it advantageous to have a flow through entity like a sub S or an LLC? So they have this new thing. It's, it's, it's called the qualified business income, which is basically uh, a deduction that you get to take 20% of your revenue right off the top before you run it back through your taxable rate. So everyone talks about this 36% tax rate. Well, if you have QBI, which is qualified business income, then you get to take that off the top, effectively allowing your marginal rate to get closer to 28 or 27% if, if you can work all those dynamics into place. But here's the kicker. And here's the IRS and Trump and them try to fix a problem. Most small business owners don't pay themselves a wage. And so what they do is they wait till the end and they try to take it as a distribution and they're trying to play a game. And there's this, there's always been this penalty out there for a long time called excess distributions. Well, with these new rules, in order to get QBI, you have to have W-2 income as one of your litmus tests. So it's good. It's got complicated. I would very much encourage you business owners to get talking to your accountant. And if if he or she doesn't know about these new rules, then go get another one. There's good ones out there. Don't assume just because you have an accountant that that person understands tax. Here's an interesting stat done by a, a think tank uh, out of Washington 
the average small business owner leaves $20,481 on the table annually in tax they shouldn't pay. So you think that's going to change if people do qualify for this new uh, tax break, that uh, it'll become more profitable to be a flow-through entity? Um, I think what's going to happen is I think a bunch of people are going to do what they've done all along, and they they treat tax planning they burn all their, their energy in tax preparation. And what I mean by that is everyone races to the end. So the, the real benefit of maximizing your expenses in your company and having you know the, the dollars flow through correctly and categorized correctly is planning. But everyone races at the end and does a form, the, the, the accounting professionals do a form-based practice and the owners do all avoidance because they don't want to think about the big tax bill. Both April and October are the most expensive times for a small business owner. So they wipe out their checking account. So the way you deal with pain is naturally you just avoid it. But the really way to deal with it is to put these new rules in place and the ones who do will save the money and then 95% of everyone else will just keep treating it like tax preparation and, and won't take advantage of it. Very interesting. Okay. All right. My, uh, we're going to have another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. Uh, he is the CEO of Fully Accountable. His website is fullyaccountable.com. You can also see more about him at his website, vinnyfisher.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. He is the CEO of Fully Accountable, which helps small businesses with their financial function. There's a website which is fullyaccountable.com and also vinnyfisher.com, at which he has one of his books is called The CEO's Mindset. We're going to get into that a little bit. Welcome back to the show, Vinny. Hey, thanks, Jordan. So you started at the beginning about the mindset of a successful CEO. What are some of the things that people need to do to have a good mindset to pull all this off? Yeah, you know, it, I'll tell you, a house without a firm foundation can't stand. And so, like, one of the hardest things in my journey of growing businesses is to be aware of the things that literally I need other people to do in our organization. You know, one of the, you know, the reason I called the book after the first chapter is it's the most important part, right? The heartbeat of a small business, which is 82% of, of all like service businesses and, and, you know, 56% of the daily payroll paid in America sit in these small businesses, well, these businesses are the lifeblood of America, and you, the owner is its heartbeat. And so if that person, if he or she, the one who really, at the end of the day, goes to bed at night, worried about making payroll and honoring the commitments to a customer and making sure that they deliver things and their yeses be yeses and their noes be noes, all the stuff that goes along with adding to gray hair and eating poorly, well, if that person isn't working on the development of themselves and developing a business that's bigger than them, then they're really not truly doing themselves or their business a a, a true service. And what I mean by that is, you know, some businesses are meant to go home and die and the consumer out there decides if it's a valuable business or not. And there are lots of very good businesses that deliver a good service or a good product that die for all these other reasons, except for not selling uh, to customers. You talk about execution attitude is crucial. What do you mean by execution attitude? You know, I, I think so many people, and I think the, the core part of this I'll get to in a second, it's an underlying problem. We have to have, so I believe this, I keep doing it all the time, get your first version of anything live and get feedback. But here's the problem. It runs up against a real problem in everyone's brain. Everyone, it's almost like another axiom, has this inherent deep down fear of failure. They're better off trying to perfect something and never put it live because this way they don't fail. And because there's this underlying tug going on, the way that we deal with it in our own organizations and we help people to think about this is just get the most basic first version of something out there and improve it as you go, iterate. And so if you have an attitude of getting stuff done and executed and in very small chunks, then you're not going to worry about the entire element. You're just going to worry about the next bite you have to take. So you say people have execution paralysis meaning they're trying to perfect it so much that they never end up getting it out of the marketplace. Is that right? Or they, it's, you know, I'll I'll say it this way. The answer is yes to that, but I'll say it even this way, Jordan. You know, the number one item on the bucket list universally is writing a book. 
and everyone starts it either from a, uh, a theory of what they think the uh, title is going to be to possibly even you messing with the design cover, maybe throwing a few words of an outline together. And then more than 90, I think 8% of the people never actually even get to full outline or manuscript. And I think the reason is, is it goes back to what we're talking about. If you're in paralysis, because if you're there, then you can't fail. So it's, it's <laughs> trying to be perfect means you, you, you get nothing done in the end. You're saying, you yeah. get nothing done. And that's what happens to over-iteration. It happens to automation. It happens to get everything figured out on the production line before you even have any customers buying it. I had a guy the other day who said to me, what do you do when you have too many people in his consultancy to work with? I go, how many you got now? He goes, none. I go, why are you worrying about that problem? Go get a few. <laughs> Indeed. So that leads to the next chapter you have, which is about people. So what should CEOs learn about hiring people and firing? Because that's often very difficult for people to do both hire and fire. Yeah. You know, I think back to this idea of your mindset. If you understand you're the chief evangelist, then you have to start breaking agreements you make with yourself that you suck at certain things. I used to say these destructive things, that I was not good at hiring, that I, I, I started making all these bad agreements. I basically self-prophesized them. So back to my original premise. If you are the heartbeat of your business, I think right now in today's world, I think it's been going on for a long time, but with the advent of a global economy, this is an important statement. It's character over competence, but that's different for every business. And so if you go look on my websites, it's very available. I'll even make it more available if it's not readily available to everybody. But your core values that we talk about in CEO's mindset are not these like print off of some big corporation list of values. They're, they're basically Vinnie Fisher inside of Fully Accountable. What are the things that matter the most to me? And we develop that list or five or six of them. Well, that becomes the list of character elements that are necessary of the value set of the people we hire. So we use it as a wall as, as to find a reason not to hire you. So we can always develop competence on campus. We believe in really getting the right fit personality and character-wise and developing skill around that. You talk about the consequences of ignoring personality types when you're hiring. What, what kind of personality type should you be looking for? Yeah, so, you know, there, I'll, I always say this. And so for the non-sports people, play along, and then I'll give you another one. But both Tom Landry and Vince Lombardi won the Super Bowl. And they couldn't be any opposite in personality. What I think is, is true of personality is you learn how to effectively communicate with other team members. So I don't believe there's a one-size appropriate personality set. I think all those tests all have value to help people put language around the skill sets we've been, you know, our gifts, what we've been gifted with. And so it takes all body parts to make a company work, right? So I don't believe that you know a certain dominant personality is the only person who should be a CEO, but it's good to know what personality type you're dealing with so that when you're effectively communicating and leading, you're doing it with an awareness lens. To me, it's more important to understand and self-identify who's talking than what particular type you have. So after the people part, you talk about numbers and you say you have to have your real numbers a lot of small businesses are not really clear what's going on. What do they need to do to have real numbers uh, to, so they can make accurate decisions? So uh, depending on the business, let's start real basic, Jordan, right? Because I want to. we know that 
everyone's struggling with the simple issues. I say we need to practice cocktail napkin financial management as an owner. If you don't know things like what's your average cart value, if you're like an e-commerce or a digital business and someone comes to a shopping cart, if you don't know how much money someone spends with you, then you, you're so far away from the acquisition of the customer. If you don't know basic things like your general margin that's left after you've acquired a customer, if you don't know basic things like how much it costs to actually deliver your service or product to somebody, then you've abdicated the authority of that to someone who's too far away from your business. And so I think every business owner should actually practice like basically cocktail napkin version of knowing very core metrics in their business. And that's what I'm referring to in that chapter. And this is something you help people with in your business, right? Oh, that's, we build not only trusted advisors, but we have many clients that fully accountable. We literally, our whole thing is about creating that actual snapshot and transparency so that you know these things. Next chapter you have is about products and services getting the right execution, what you call passion ambassadors. How do you get a passion ambassador for a particular product or service you're offering? You know, there, you know, Maslow came up with this hierarchical structure and a good friend of mine, Pat Flynn, brought it into the social world and he kind of played around with it. And, you know, the hierarchical structure, when you get to that kind of, you know, third, fourth and fifth tier, you start getting to higher quality consumers. And so earlier on in our show, for people who may have picked up a little later, we talked about this perfect customer this ideal avatar, the, the niche person you're hunting for. Well, in Maslow's classes, you know, the, the lower class was exactly that, the surf, right? The kind of the drifter. They, they might come in for a price point, but they have real no loyalty. The next person uh, is comes up, they might buy again. They like the price. They didn't get burned in the transaction, but they're not really in it for the long haul. And you only start to get to brand and value when you get to that third tier of buyer, the one who keeps coming back back or stayed with you. And then you work your way up towards the stalker, the one who's outside your house, chasing you around, might tattoo your name on their back. That person is at top of the tier. Well, there's this magic between the third and fifth, somewhere in that third and fourth tier of this person who's all bought into you and your brand and what they buy from you. That's who you're hunting for. And you know, and there's good economists and business growth people out there that say, if you can find a hundred of them, you can scale uh, wonderfully your business. You talk about the, the lifetime value of a customer. What is the lifetime value of somebody, as you call them, a stalker? <laughs> yeah, so that person is a little off, right? Because like early <laughs> adoption on anything, they might buy anything whether they need it or not. So they may be a little bit of a false positive, which is why you want that third and fourth tier person, someone who's buying it because there's real value to them in their life and they're not creepy. <laughs> I see. You don't want creepy customers, right? Well, because they're buying it for different reasons. Now we have them. And we all have them, but they're they're going to buy anything. They're not really validating whether they're buying it for value. Yeah, very good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. He's the CEO of Fully Accountable. You can find out more at his website, fullyaccountable.com. He's done uh, several books. We just talked about the CEO's mindset, how to break through to the next level. And he's also done a book called False Profits. It's not the top line that pays you. You can find out more about those at VinnieFisher.com. We'll be back after this. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Vinny Fisher. He is the author of several books, one called False Profits. It's not the top line that pays you. Welcome back to the show, Vinny. Thanks, Jordan. So what do you mean by false profits? I mean, people are looking at the wrong part of the balance sheet, or what, what, what are they missing here as to how they should run their business? So when a, an accounting professional is trained in their job, they start at the bottom and work their way up. Business owners... We, if you're like me, I was focused always, my internal agreement, the motto inside my heart that I have to fight very regularly is gross revenue solves all problems. And the more revenue I bring in, it just makes everything else better. Well, I proved that theory unfortunately wrong in one of our businesses where I kept growing our business more and more and more. And with some false assumptions, I thought we were running at a 5% profit margin. We were running at a 5% profit loss. 
And because cash was coming in so quickly, I basically wasn't aware of that until we stopped some of the inflow. And so when, when I say it's the bottom line that pays you, every business should have this picture in their mind, a bucket of water, and there's this leaky bucket, there's holes all over the place. And so in order to keep water in the bucket, we gotta plug the holes. And the first one should be at the bottom, and then the lower on the sides. And in order to look at a business, you should start with, what margin is in that industry and what's an acceptable margin for the type of business you're running. Otherwise, you've just got this false business with a lot of revenue that doesn't make any money. So what are some of the holes in the bucket that, that people need to plug? The worst one, uh, and almost 50% is the problem, is that almost the number one cash problem that businesses have is an inflated payroll. And so what happens is businesses believe as they're growing, they just start hiring people, almost like this warm body effect. Well, when, when they wake up and realize that they just have a bunch of people with unidentified roles, they've blown so much in payroll. But they don't know where they sit against other, uh, other companies that are in their similar industry, then they, they won't know that they're 10 percentage points off on labor until they've basically given it all back to having a false economy of payroll inside their company. Another one would be product costs. If you're a product business and you don't know what you know your ratio of revenue is to your product costs, then you might have a 30% product cost when to be competitive, you need to be a 15 or 14% product cost. And the worst one, which we wrote about in our book, we call solving for X. Every other metric in your business should be able to measure except for what it, you cost to acquire a customer. Because that can vary based on the channel, you know, who you got to pay to get that customer. Well, that variable can be so expensive that maybe a business can afford to spend 40% of the gross ticket, but they're spending 60%. And they're literally acquiring customers even though they have cash coming in, that produce no margin. And so because of this, they cause so much stress on other parts of their business that was unnecessary, and they're falsely growing without any margin. So you're saying that a company should benchmark itself against similar companies in the industry to see what is appropriate to pay in these different areas. Yeah, I used to think in this concept of a blue ocean that you would like exist in your own magical place and no one else does what you do and people are going to come to you and flock to you because you live in this blue ocean. Well, the reality is you there's nothing new under the sun. And everybody to steal from our friend Solomon when he said that. And 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 because of that, I think it's a really good thing to maturely know in business that there are other um industries. Now you might have created a clever category within that industry and good for you for creating a category, but you still have other people vying for those customers' eyes and you should be benchmarking against the standards in the industry. And so with the advent of our friends at Google and all these other places, we're able to now more than ever pull together data to see where we sit against other people. So like for example, you know, fully accountable in the accounting side of our business, we know what an acceptable margin in that practice is. And so so if we can't make and back out to that margin, then we shouldn't be doing that business. So are you saying a lot of businesses think their profit margins are much higher than they actually are and they could be higher if they had their expenses under better control? I would say that there's there's some truth into that question. I'd like to change the question a little and say I think most businesses don't have a target profit margin and they kind of practice whatever's left is what works. And so what should they do about that? They should have a specific financial profit margin in mind? 
So I gave, I, I, that's why I went out and wrote false prophets. And I wrote this concept in our chapter about solving for X. I think you should have a, a, a breakdown cocktail napkin version style breakdown of the gross revenue of a customer brings to you all the little pieces you have to spend the, to service that customer and what's left is that margin fall in line and what if not what are the pieces you need to fix to get it there and if you manage your business that way i think you have a far great i know you have a far greater chance of succeeding when you put the margin first instead of having this just grow at any cost gross revenue attitude so what are some specific things people can do to grow or establish a margin is it uh, seeing the, the customers uh, valuing you and wanting to pay you more because of the service you offer yeah i think there's you know the there are, there's always arguments about this, but generally it starts back with the value of what you provide. And if you offer, you know, a lot of people believe that they offer stuff for free or lower value in the beginning and show themselves as being awesome, that magically someone's going to pay them more to do the exact same job. Just saying that out loud, everyone hears how crazy that sounds. And that's what happens when you offer something at a low value. Um, most people need a model or help with a system but they go searching for tools and they go looking for tools and realizing they need a model or something of value to help with them. But they bring a budget of tool into that. And then the provider of the, the value prop does the same thing in their value. So if you're a trusted advisor offering financial services, but you make it about bookkeeping at the lowest cost, well, then they're never going to want to pay you above more because that's how they see you. And so when businesses start looking at their hourly rate or their model and they don't peg the value correctly, well, then they, their chances of having a margin at the end that once it goes beyond them uh, is not impossible, but it's extremely frustrated. So the perceived value is a major part of getting that profit margin up. Oh, right? It starts with you believing that someone will pay more for it. And if you're actually, let's just pick on a, you know, toothpaste. You know, if you sell toothpaste at a certain price and, and, and your value proposition is we're the cheapest toothpaste, well, then accept the fact that you're going to get that type of customer buying your toothpaste at that level. Well, if that's true. What margins left? You have to beat up your suppliers, how you deliver it in order to have an acceptable margin. Well, most businesses just practice whatever's left in the bank account, not the margin they want. So instead of saying no to some business, they say yes to everything and hope that more revenue solves their problems. In about two minutes we have left, why don't you kind of summarize what a difference it'll make in making your business successful, uh, implementing some of the things we've talked about in the last hour? I'll tell you, Jordan, uh, you know, people ask me why I got into the service side and why we're scaling a service company. You know, and Deb and I, my wife, we had a good run on a couple of our businesses and we're extremely blessed. But when I stop and look at the epidemic of the small business, which is really the heartbeat of America, and the attrition rate that happens with some of these major blind spots, it actually causes me some problems in sleeping sometimes. And the other side of it, if you take some simple action of the advice that we've given you and I on this show today, I've seen businesses double and triple in size, and I've seen them withstand problems because they have the right cash in place in order to grow correctly. And it's it's so pleasing to see that happen. And that's why we're fighting this good fight. Well, so what kind of difference have you made in businesses that you've taken on as clients? Oh, we've we've you could go on our website and see it. We we 
capture a lot of testimonials. We're, we're good marketers, right? So we capture a lot of that. And it's fun to hear those stories. We have, we, we unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on the perspective of how you look at it, lots of our clients come to us in a mess. And we we're, we always joke, my business partner, Chris and I, it'd be nice to have a, someone come to us all put together. But we literally turn them around. We get them focused on bottom line management, a profit margin first attitude, and sure. literally help them to actually be profitable in Excel. We're saving marriages. Sure. We're saving we're, we're 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 saving legacy and generation and families. It's much bigger than a few more bucks in your pocket. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Vinny Fisher. He's the CEO of Fully Accountable. His website is fullyaccountable.com. And you can also see more about the books we spoke about at vinnyfisher.com. Thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show, Vinny. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having us. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.